With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to A's Plus, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Chronicle A's beat writer Susan Slusser, and today we welcome former A's general manager Sandy Alderson, who's back as a special assistant in the front office. He'll tell us what it's like to be back, what he's doing now, and his thoughts on the current state of the A's and Major League Baseball as a whole. Then David Feldman and I will talk about the A's recent road trip, the addition of Edwin Jackson, and much more. Next on A's Plus. Our guest today on the A's Plus podcast is former A's general manager Sandy Alderson, of course, also formerly the Mets general manager and several other jobs in in and around baseball. First of all, Sandy, what's it like for you being back with the A's organization after all these years? Well, it's been great, really. I've uh, thoroughly enjoyed the the first few weeks. Um, Gotten to do a lot of things, spring training again back in uh, Arizona, which is... uh, uh, brings back a lot of memories. Um, the trip to Japan uh, with the team on the road now. Uh, spent some time in Oakland with uh, Billy and Dave and the rest of the uh, baseball operations staff. It's just been terrific. I, obviously, I know a lot of people who uh, uh, are still with the organization, but uh, those that I didn't know uh, have embraced me as well, and I've, I've really enjoyed it. Any sense of deja vu for you, especially when you know your first few days back? You know, it's hard to avoid the uh, uh, the, the constants, uh, starting with the ballpark, which uh, is still there. And um, um, so there are lots of things that uh, bring back memories. But um, I'm generally forward-looking, so I like to uh, I like to think about what the what the uh, possibilities are. And I've just been getting to know the team and uh, really enjoy watching them play. And, and I think they've got a tremendous amount of potential. What are your duties right now? How would you describe what you're doing? You're a special assistant to Billy Bean. Um, what does that mean? You know, somebody told me once uh, half the battle was showing up. So uh, part of my responsibility is showing up. Showing up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Billy and I and David are kind of working through uh, what my role is. Um, at this point, I don't have any direct responsibility, which is terrific for me. Um, as I said, I'm getting familiar with the team and the organization. Uh, but as I've, I've been on the road with the team. I've been in Oakland. I've even scouted some amateurs in Florida. Um, actually getting to do some things I never got to do in, in my previous uh, uh, role. So um, a variety of things, and it's kind of sorting itself out. Do you suggest things to them, or did, have they mostly been coming to you, bouncing things off of you, or suggesting things for you to do, go, go see or do? They've been great. They've, uh, you know, I I look at it at this stage as, again, getting familiar with the organization and the players. And um, that means spending a lot of time observing and keeping my mouth shut. Uh, People ask me a question, I certainly give my opinion. But at this point, with less than full information and not that much time with the organization, I'm a little guarded about that. Um, But um, that will certainly 
come with more familiarity. Um, you were, of course, the A's general manager for a really um, pretty wonderful time in A's history. Um, some very special teams. What really stands out to you about some of those teams that you were running? You know, as I think back on those teams, uh, what what I remember the most is how entertaining they were. Uh, it was so great to go on the road uh, with some of those personalities. Um, you know, I think we had the best road record in baseball during those years, uh, uh, attendance-wise, which was really unusual given, you know, the history of the Red Sox and the Yankees and so forth. Uh, but it was just because of the, not just the different uh, performers that we had and their and, and incredible ability, but just the personalities as well. It was a, it was quite a group. Yeah, I can remember some of the players saying it was like traveling with rock stars when you're talking about Canseco and Eckersley and then some of the you know, Ricky and people like that. I, you, know, you, you remember uh, going into Boston, for example, and winning a game and just walking out of there feeling like uh, you know we just kicked their butt. And uh, <laughs> how fun is that? Yeah. So it was, it was a special group of people. Was it, with the big personalities, was it a little challenging from uh, a running the show standpoint at times? I remember once you told me, um, I think for my first book, you, we talked about Ricky and you said you filled out a form once for a college reunion saying my, my hobby is trading Ricky Henderson. <laughs> right. There were some management challenges. Um, you know, the Haas family represented... Uh, a certain level of community commitment and uh, ethical responsibility and and uh, so forth but at the same time uh, we were and are in the entertainment business and so you have to balance those kinds of considerations with the talent that these players bring to the table it wasn't always easy often I dealt with some of the the uh, problems we face with a little bit of humor um, so uh, humor sometimes can diffuse situations that otherwise can get out of hand. Um, I've always said there's a reason they shoot the messenger, and that's because, you know, the facts are the facts, but <clears throat> it's sometimes how they're uh, conveyed that uh, can be most important. Now, how different is the job of general manager now from back then when you were the A's GM to, you know, say the last few years when you were running the show in New York? Well, I think it's uh, first of all the you know the demographics of, of the front office have changed incredibly uh, over that period of time. Um, so, you know the the um, analytical portion of, of what goes on, but ultimately uh, it's about making good decisions. And today there's more information available to do that, but that doesn't mean that bad decisions aren't made. Um, so it's. Uh, um, the other thing is that the game is, uh, baseball is a big business and it, a much bigger business than it was uh, 40 years ago, just in terms of revenues, the complexity of operations and so forth. So there are many other things to take, take into account, but um, the job is essentially the same and that is making good decisions and maintaining good personal relationships uh, across the board. Um, I always thought that, you know, the environment tried to create in Oakland originally and I've tried to create elsewhere is uh, professional but friendly, friendly but professional, um, which is a hard spot to uh, actually achieve. Um, not getting too corporate, but at the same time, you know, being professional enough to have the discipline to make 
to make uh, tough decisions. Now, you also spent several years in the commissioner's office. Um, did that give you any sort of different perspective on the sport as a whole, as the, the business as a whole, or, you know, make you maybe commiserate a little bit more with some of the decisions baseball has to make now or things it's dealing with? Well, I certainly was able to uh, identify more with uh, decisions that um, have to be made at the major league level. But if anything, I think my experience with MLB made me even a little more progressive than I was before. I mean, I, I see the way the game has evolved, and uh, for the most part, that happens organically. And at some point, we have to decide, I think, as a, as a sport, um, what we want it to look like. Right. You know, in the NBA, they don't, they don't play uh, zone defense. Why? Because it's not fun. It's right. not fun to watch. Um, I sort of have the same attitude toward things like the shift. Uh, okay, I understand that it's efficient and it, it, it makes the most sense from a um, from a analytical standpoint. But you know, is it where we want the game to go? Do we want to squeeze out all the fun? Um, so, if anything, being with MLB made me even a little more uh, willing to take chances. Where do you stand then on some of the pace of play possibilities, such as you know the 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 three batter minimum for relievers, um, clocks, and things like that. I'm generally in favor of those things. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons we had success in Oakland way back when was because we were willing to try things. And it doesn't mean you're going to be right all the time, but you can't be afraid to try things. And uh, to me, these are not monumental changes, um, they're tweaks. And uh, so I think baseball needs to be courageous enough to try new things from time to time. And if they don't work, be you know, willing to take a step back. But you know, I'm generally in favor of trying things, not crazy things, not things that are going to uh, hurt the fundamental fabric of the game, but things that might make it better, might make it just a little different. You know, people like change. Not necessarily, you know, a 60-year-old baseball fan like me or older, uh, but generally people like change in their lives, some, not all, um, and uh, uh, a little bit of it uh, I don't think hurts. Now, you, you obviously hired Billy Bean. Um, who's uh, now the, the in charge? Well, what is his title now? Va Vice President of Baseball Operations. So what we used to call um, General Manager. Do you remember thinking when he was a player, he was somebody that might wind up being sort of a front <coughs> office material, or did that sort of evolve over time? I'm not sure that I recognized it uh, during his playing days. His his playing days with us were relatively short, uh, limited. Um, but soon after, we, you know, he was hired as an advanced scout and then uh, brought him into the front office. And uh, he just had, um, uh, one, the intellect, but two, the energy and the uh, enthusiasm um, for the job. Uh, I can remember, uh, you know, in the offseason looking to sign minor league free agents and just turning Billy loose on four or five guys and his ability to... Uh, close the deal. I kept telling him it was because of his experience as a used car salesman, but uh, I think it went further than that. 
um, you obviously watched the Moneyball sort of phenomenon yeah. from afar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that in the book there there is mention that you're really kind of the one that that got the whole analytics thing going with the A's. But what did you make of all of that as you were watching it? And uh, you know, Billy and the A's are getting the the lion's share of the credit for it, and obviously you had a little bit of a of a hand in it yourself. No, I just I enjoyed the book. I enjoyed the movie, and. Uh, um, I enjoyed the uh, way in which uh, Billy and the front office were portrayed in both, and uh, um, you know, it was a it, it, it was a revelation uh, for a lot of people in baseball, but ultimately for uh, people throughout business. Um, I mean, it was really the the first book that um, underscored the importance of what we call big data right now. Um, so, you know, I've taught. Uh, sports management at Berkeley a couple of times and uh, that I don't teach that book but uh, a lot of other business professors over there do so well you don't have to teach it you kind of help write it almost (laughs) (laughs) not really now your uh, last uh, few years in baseball you were in New York obviously uh, you had some good teams there Mm -hmm. things probably didn't quite wind up going the way you wanted um, ultimately but how would you characterize your time you know in New York in the middle of the baseball world yeah, it was uh, it was great. I really enjoyed New York. Uh, enjoyed living there. Um, enjoyed the people. Uh, the fans were terrific. Um, I can't tell you how many people came up to me on the street, uh, want to know how I was doing health wise. It was you know it was really um, uh, heartwarming. Um, you know we we uh, came in. I came in in uh, 2011. Paul De Podesta. Uh, former A's employee as well uh, with me and uh, we kind of built the thing to the point where we did get the World Series in a, in a uh, playoff in 15 and 16 and then you know a variety of things including bad decisions on my part um, um, we didn't do as well the last couple of years but uh, it was a great experience. Now um, you said you're getting familiar with this team what are your impressions of this team now after uh, you know three or four weeks here of, of watching? Well, I guess in a nutshell, um, you know, pitching-wise, um, starting pitching was not supposed to be the strength. Uh, probably hasn't been a strength, but I've been surprised at how um, how good it's been to date. Uh, the bullpen's got you know three or four guys in it that are lights out, and uh, um, very impressed with especially Trinan and Trevino. Um, offensively. Um, they're fun to watch. I mean, a lot of home runs, but uh, a lot of good, very deep lineup. And then defensively, uh, in certain areas, uh, third base in particular. I mean, Chapman is just unbelievable. And uh, you know, for somebody like me who's used to watching third baseman cheat in and over and sidearm the ball to first, it's uh, it's really been fun to watch. And of course, uh, Loriano in center, and and uh, um, I've just been very impressed with. Uh, uh, the quality of the team. You know, it's a, it's an anonymous group. If you come from the East Coast, uh, okay, so who's their best player? Well, uh, who are their players? Um, so uh, hopefully they'll start to get the recognition. Chris Davis uh, has been phenomenal. Hopefully they'll begin to get some national recognition that I think they deserve. But that's all also a function of uh, the record because you're not going to get a huge amount of credit if you're in Oakland unless uh, you're playing well on the team uh, forces. Uh, the media to take a look. 
Well, you'd think a 97-win season, there would be a little bit more <laughs> acknowledgement around baseball about what, especially Chris Davis and Matt Chapman, the kind of players there are, but uh, maybe another one will, will do the trick. Uh, yeah, your health, you mentioned, uh, you are back to doing well. Yes, uh, doing doing very well. It's, uh, you know, you, you never know with, uh, at my age and with uh, uh, certain ailments, but I'm feeling great right now and um, um, no reason to believe that things aren't in good shape. Well, thanks so much for joining us. We're glad you're back and we look forward to talking to you again on 8th Plus. All right, great, thanks. Our thanks again to Sandy Alderson. We'll be right back with Feldy's Follies. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Today on Ace Plus, we've got our recurring segment, Feldy's Follies, with David Feldman, official scorer, stats guru, TV production person. I know you've been popping up a little more on the A's casts, Feldy, but of course, um, you've got to always remember to come back to us here on, on A's Plus with your wealth of A's knowledge. The A's finally get through that stretch of what was supposed to be 18 games in a row, it winds up really being... Uh, 16 with the rain out, uh, but you know they still got to come to the ballpark and do that. I mean, it's still a day of work, so I'm not saying that that's that's uh, totally like a day off or anything. Uh, and they end the road trip uh, obviously in disappointing fashion, blowing a four-run lead at Texas. What do you make of the the trip overall? Obviously, they played very well at the end in Baltimore in the beginning at Texas, but uh, not so good in the beginning in the end. No, and just to make it clear, yes, Susan, you were you were the first choice. You're the first call, always. Oh, see, there you go. That's all I want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things that, that I was really hoping that would carry over from the 2018 athletics to the 2019 athletics was their resiliency, their ability to bounce back from what seems like tremendous losses or a horrible game and come back and win. And I think we're seeing that. I think we, we saw that after... You know, the, the two losses in Tokyo, they come home for their eight games, and they play very well against the Angels and the Red Sox. They go to Houston, have a terrible series, and then another brutal loss on Sunday, a brutal loss in Baltimore to possibly the worst team in baseball, and they bounce back with four straight wins. Um, that's what you want to see, and that, that was a big part of last year's team, was never getting too far down after a, a heartbreaking loss. This team is showing that early. And they're going to get another chance because, yeah, yesterday's loss um, was brutal. Um, you know, a game that you really thought they had won. They were going to end the road trip on a huge high note, and it didn't happen. Um, and now you come home and you get to face those Astros again, and the A's are going to get a chance to see if they're going to be able to bounce back and beat what is probably the best team in the American League. They're showing that right now. I know the Astros got off to a slow start, but since then they have been on fire and they've been what everyone thought. So – Overall, I think the A's have to be happy with the way the trip went, especially with the way it started. Well, another thing from last year's team that is so far not necessarily carrying over, although it, it probably will reverse, 
is their record in games they're leading after seven. They, they did not lose any games after the seven. They were leading after seven until the last, you know, handful of games of the season finished, what, 70 and two, I think, in games they were leading after seven, um, which is extraordinary. So far, they've lost three games in that scenario, including Sunday. Is there any concern in your mind about um, some of the bullpen pieces? Uh, Soria has not been necessarily reliable, although he was coming off of uh, five pretty decent appearances until uh, that final game in Texas. Uh, Fernando Rodney has not necessarily looked uh, all that sharp. What do you make of uh, some of the guys? You know, you can't use, as I was trying to explain to people on Twitter, because everybody gets hugely upset when uh, relievers give it up late and seem to think that they could uh, manage the team much better. You, you can't use just trying and Trevino the entire year. We saw what happened to no. Trevino when he had the big workload toward the end of last year. He really lost some of his effectiveness in, in August. So, uh, you know, they, they got to be careful. If you're in a major league bullpen, you need to be able to hold a three-run lead. That's just a given. So uh, certainly I, I wouldn't say that's on Bob Melvin, but I, I, I'm starting to think maybe they're, you know, much like with Santiago Casilla last year. And honestly, when the A's parted ways with Casilla, that's right around when they sort of started to take off. I think they might have to make some tough decisions on some of the older guys in their bullpen. What, what do you see there? Well, let's start with Soria. Because I think, um, you know, Soria is a guy who's, who's on a two-year contract. And this is year one. Um, it's a two-year, $15 million deal. So he's... He's planning to be here all of this year and, and next year to start the year. I mean, that's how the A's are, are viewing him. Um, and, yeah, yesterday was one of his terrible outings. He's had, of his nine appearances, what I would say, two horrendous outings. All right? He had the game against the Angels where he came in in the eighth inning and couldn't get anybody out. And then he had the outing yesterday. Um, but if you look, as you mentioned, the five games before, he was pretty nailed. Right, five innings, an inning in each of the outings. He gave it up only two hits. He wasn't walking anybody. One walk, six strikeouts. He was being the setup guy you were hoping you were going to have. So yesterday it didn't go as planned, and that is sort of Soria's track record. If you look over the last few years, he can be a bit of a circus. Um, he can be lights out for three or four appearances, and then he just can't get anybody out for two or three. Um, and he isn't going to have to live with that, unfortunately, because that that's his track record. Um, He's going to be better more times than he's bad, um, but he's not Lou Trevino. He's not Blake Trinan, um, and those guys are pretty special. Um, but to keep them to being special, as you mentioned, you can't overwork them. You have to be able to adjust their workload to keep them special. So I'm, I'm not that worried about Soria. He is going to be a frustrating relief pitcher, and that's just that's the buy-in when you signed him, um, that he's going to have times like this. Now, Fernando Rodney is a whole other story. Now, Fernando Rodney pitched the Monday game of Baltimore. He didn't pitch the rest of the road trip. He never touched the mound. Yeah. Um, and you've got to start wondering, what is their plan for him? Yes, they brought him back, but he's not making all that much money. And no, now there is million. a... Oh, five million that, for a team that does not spend that much? That could be spent probably in a, in a more uh, effective way, I, I'm starting to imagine. Well, it could be, but I, I think it's also money that they're not afraid to eat. True. If they're going to say, we're going to part ways with Fernando Rodney. Um, and there is a pitcher now at AAA who's, who's trying to force his way onto the team, and that's Ryan Dole. Yeah. Uh, Dole's pitched very well uh, down for Las Vegas, and he's only six in the third innings, ten strikeouts, only four hits, and he's only walked two guys. And that's a big thing with, the, with bullpen is walks. And if you even look at the eighth bullpen 
this year in, in the games that they've struggled as, as a group, it's walking guys and putting base runners on. Um, but the Fernando Rodney thing, they're going to have to make a call on that, especially if they're not going to pitch him. You've got an eight-man bullpen, um, and you got one of those guys you're not even using. Um, you got to think about that. And I would not be, I would not be shocked to see them part ways with Fernando Rodney. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense to me. I, I also think that we might see JB Wendelkin move into sort of maybe more of a more prominent role if Soria's a little more unreliable. Uh, and Wendelkin's more reliable. Uh, yeah, sure, he gives up the home run, but he's not really walking guys. You know, he's he's great with guys on base. Uh, you know, a little similar to different style pitchers, obviously, but kind of his rise is a little bit like uh, Lou Trevino's, uh, and uh, I, I could see maybe he he might take a little more of a prominent role. So that's it's going to be something to keep an eye on. The good thing for the A's is they do have Trevino and Trinan, who they can lean on. Uh, and you know what? Every once in a while, those guys are going to have a bad day. And you know, it doesn't, it's sure. just, they are, none of them are perfect. Relief pitching is uh, a very difficult art, particularly in the back end. Uh, now, um, we should talk about some of the starters. Uh, Brett Anderson has been terrific. Um, Montas, generally so. I think Aaron Brooks has probably been better than most people expected. And um, Mike Fires and Marco Estrada are a little bit of a concern, I think, away from the Coliseum. And I think, you know, the A's legitimately wanted to to split up Fires and Estrada in the rotation with Brett Anderson because they are sort of similar pitching right, right-handers. But there is no doubt in my mind that they also see the benefit of giving Marco Estrada a start at home rather than a start on the road. He's a fly ball pitcher. Uh, and pitching in, in small ballparks, you know, he's prone to giving up home runs. It's just kind of the way it works. How, how are you seeing the work that the A's are getting from Fires and Estrada right now? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with they've obviously been much better at home. Uh, Mike Fires has made three starts away from the Coliseum and has been brutal in all three starts. He's given up five or more runs in all three of those starts. He's made two starts at the Coliseum, six innings, no runs, both starts. Um, so there's definitely something there. There is a, there is a trend going on with Mike Fires. And we saw that last year as well. Fires was very good at the Coliseum. And he does work high in the strike zone, so he's going to give up a lot of fly balls. And those balls are going to go to die in the Coliseum or another ballpark. They're going out. Um, I think you just got to think back to last year in the wild card game. I still believe if, if that game was played at the Coliseum, Mike Fires would have started that game. Yeah. But you couldn't start him on the road. It was just, it's too much for him. So he's got to figure that out, how to get outs on the road, how to go longer. Um, you know, we talk about the, the bullpen and the usage. A lot of that's due to the starters going basically six innings. You're not getting much more than that. So every game you're, you're having to get three or more innings out of your bullpen, and that definitely puts a strain. Um, Marco Estrada has been a little different because he's at least kept the A's in ball games. Definitely. Right? He had... He's the game in Baltimore that they lost. That, that's obviously his worst start. He only went four innings, gave up a ton of hits and six runs. Uh, but his three starts before that, he was able to get at least through five, a little longer, and give up three or less runs. Um, that's at least he's working it, and he, he's, he's doing what he can. You like to see him lengthen out a bit. You like to see him pitch better on the road. But he's only had the one road start, and then the start in Tokyo, so two away from the Coliseum. Um, the two games at the Coliseum pitch very well. Um, I like the way Estrada works. I like the way that he, he grinds out innings and he gives the A's some length. They're going to need a little more of that. Um, 
you have to be happy with Anderson. I mean, Anderson surprisingly as good as he's been. Um, you just hope he doesn't get hurt, and it always seems to be with Brad Anderson's career as he gets on a roll, something wacky happens, and you have to miss darts. Montas has been very good, and Brooks has been better than we could have hoped for so far. Uh, Edwin Jackson signed since we last talked. Uh, we, we all kind of had a feeling it was coming. They came very close to to signing him about a, a week before the, they left for Japan, in fact. So it, it seemed like it was sort of always in the cards. How long do you, you expect it'll be before we see him? And, and um, what's the move then? I mean, I, I it seems like Brooks is maybe the, the obvious choice since he's the fifth starter. But you know what? He, he's been okay. Yeah, the fact that it's going to probably take Edwin Jackson uh, pretty much a month before he's ready to, to pitch in a big league game um, a lot of things can shake out in that time. Uh, maybe Aaron Brooks starts being bad. Maybe Brett Anderson gets hurt uh, or another pitcher gets hurt. I think there's a lot that can be worked out in the next month, but I think having Edwin Jackson is good for uh, a couple things. One, he was a very good pitcher for the A's last year. Um, and speaking again of that wild card game, if they were going to start a starting pitcher in that game, I believe Edwin Jackson would have been the choice. Um, if they decided to go that way. Um, that's how much faith they had in him and how good he was. So I, I think it's it's nice to get a very reliable starting pitcher. Now, the other thing is, again, the uh, whole chemistry thing, how well-liked Edwin Jackson was and how big of a part of the, the chemistry and being the older veteran, teaching the younger kids. I think there's a payoff in that. And I, and I would imagine, Susan, as you were there in the clubhouse when they signed Edwin Jackson, there must have been a lot of happiness. That oh, he was coming back. He's very popular. He's, I mean, he's just the coolest guy. It's impossible not to to like him, and you know, very calm. Exactly what you want. I, I, I think he was. It's perfect. It's almost a shame it did not happen earlier because I think he would have already been helping them. Yeah, and that's so. Now at least you, you're trying to right that wrong, and give him a month to get ready. We see what happens. We see what shakes out in the pitching staff, and then when he's ready to pitch. As they always say in baseball, things have a way of working out. What you think is a is a problem ends up not being a problem because things work out. Yeah, too too many good pitchers is is definitely a problem the A's would like to have. Uh, offensively, uh, you know, I think the fact that they've had multiple homers in seven straight games, you look at it and you go, great. Are they starting to be too homer reliant? There were definitely stretches of last year where they. Uh, you know, if they were scoring runs, it was via homers and almost nothing else. I think close to 60% of their runs this year have scored via homers. You know, when we talked last week, that was a huge concern of mine, right? It was all home runs. They weren't hitting with runners in scoring position. They were one for 19 uh, coming into the Tuesday game at Baltimore. Uh, and since then, I have been ecstatic with the way the offense has been performing because not only are we still hitting the home runs, the A's are still banging the ball out of the ballpark, but now they're putting rallies together and getting hits with runners in scoring position. Over the last five games, they have a 400 average with runners in scoring position. And we saw that, you know, in the Sunday game in Texas, they put a rally together with hits. How fun is that? Um, the A's offense, I think, is, is performing probably a little, probably even a little better than expected. They're scoring almost five and a half runs per game. Um, yeah, they're second in the league at home runs per game, so they are still using a long ball, but they're adding in now some guys getting hits, key hits. Marcus Simeon has been very good. Uh, Robbie Grossman starting to come to life a little bit in the last few games. That's going to really help at the top of the order. 
Chad Pinder, when he's played, has been productive. Um, you know, Laureano has been better now. As you wrote about with Stephen Piscotty making an adjustment in his swing, we saw the big home run in Texas. We'll hope to get him rolling. Um, I'm very excited about this offense. This is where the A's coming in. You said, this is a good offensive team. There's a lot of production up and down this order. Um, you know, the one spot we with the A's and their fans were very concerned about was catcher. And Josh Begley, so far, has taken the reins there and said, I'm the man. Yeah. I'm going to hit. I'm going to drive in runs. I'm going to play good defense. And that's what the A's were hoping to see. Some One of those two guys take control, and then you play the hot hand. We'll see how long it lasts. But for now, you're right. It. So offensively, at least over the last week, not relying on the home run as much, still hitting them, which is great. Chris Davis going nuts in Baltimore, but also getting the key hits in key situations. So it's been really nice to see. Yeah. I, I think the the offense and really the defense, you know, Matt Chapman with two errors in the last, last game of Texas, we probably won't see that again all year. Uh, Ramon Laureano just continues to be, I, I don't understand why anyone runs on him at all at this point, but seems like somebody does every other day. Uh, and that's just been wonderful to see. It's just, you know, the defense, the offense, no issues. Um, bullpen, I'm sure, will be fine. I think the starting pitching is the one thing, the one area where I still feel like they – they have some issues. Uh, the homestand, uh, Houston, Toronto, Texas coming in, another nice long homestand. How do you how do you see this for uh, sort of almost a, really the rest of April? Yeah, I think the Houston games, as we talked about, I think they're big. Again, you're rolling a team coming in here on a nine-game winning streak, uh, playing their best baseball. Um, you know, they kind of spanked the A's in the weekend in Houston, so you want to see that resiliency from the A's and come back and, and get some wins. Um, and then you get Toronto and Texas. Uh, again, teams that the A's should beat. Toronto, 5-11 and 11 coming into this week. Not so good. Texas at 500, probably playing a little better than, than expected because they're not a 500 team. So you're looking to get wins, and you're looking to dominate at home. Um, you know, that great homestand opening year with tremendous starting pitching all the way throughout. You want to see that again. You want to see the A's pitchers, especially Fires and Estrada, continue that home Coliseum dominance. Um, they're going to have a chance to get wins. Um, and they got to get them. It's just, it's just one of those things where you're, you're building now, you're building to the rest of the season, and you start with your home games by winning your home games. So I expect the A's to come out on Tuesday ready to roll. Fantastic. Well, we will check back with you probably sometime next week. David Philman, thanks for joining us on Feldy's Follies, and uh, we will talk to you then. Thanks to David Feldman, who you'll hear here throughout the season. Our producer today was Libby Coleman. We'll be back next week with more A's Plus. Thanks for listening. A's Plus is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. Follow me on Twitter, at Susan Slusser. Support A's Plus and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sanfranciscochronicle.com slash subscribe.